Did you know that Snape kills Dumbledore? Yeah. Did you know that it's fun fiction? Welcome to Fun Fiction, ladies and gentlemen, the show about movies, media, and how the internet ruins it. I am your host, Scotty Moore, joined this week by probably the most appropriate guest for the Harry Potter series, because this has been a essentially a breakdown of a 26-year-old man who had never seen the Harry Potter films, and we're inviting on a man who's doing an entire podcast dedicated to a 26-year-old who had never read the Harry Potter books. It's Mike Schubert of Potterless. Hello. How's it going? That is very accurate. It's like, I'm doing your job, but more work because I'm reading books. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then you're writing fan fiction, so we've, we've put our efforts into different baskets. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, um, when I invited you on, you you specifically said, I want to talk about book six. I, yes. Why? Oh, book six is my favorite book. Um, okay. I'm almost done with seven. Right now I'm on chapter thirty. Two, which is the one after the Battle of Hogwarts begins. Right, right. Um, so at this point, like I know that the seventh book is good, but it's not gonna beat six for me. I think six was just J.K. Rowling really finding her groove. It was the funniest of the books. I think it was the most action packed, and I think what really sets six apart from some of the other ones, like four and five, is that there's no part that doesn't matter like there's no like fluff chapter or fluff section or part where you're like oh i didn't really need all of that i think six is just like it keeps you intense the whole way through and there's never a dull moment which i think makes it perfect right did you have you seen the movie version yes i have and i was disappointed okay thank you because all <laughs> i saw i've not read it and uh i, w- I was going to go back and listen to the right now we're in the middle of the goblet episodes of Potterless. okay nice which uh, is fantastic because my girlfriend uh, is a huge harry potter fan and so <laughs> every single time i have to pause the show and be like look it's okay he doesn't understand he's like <laughs> me he's not read every single pottermore article there is and she's like but he needs to know <laughs> i'll get there don't worry i think I think like right as as book five ends is when my transition from Harry Potter skeptic to Harry Potter absolute fanatic is complete. I think it begins with book three with the shrieking shack chapters when I'm like, oh, these are actually really good. And then four and five, I become more and more in love with them. And then by the time six starts, I'm just like full fledged, like these are amazing. I love it. So Mm -hmm. don't worry. See, that was me with uh, movie five because movie four kind of lost me a little bit because I'm like, I'm like, JK, you don't like sports. Why write the Olympics as a book? Yeah, it was hard. She needed and I don't know if she sourced it out to people, but I think she could have benefited by having some correspondents that know Mm -hmm. more about sports and things. But, uh, yeah, going back to my girlfriend, I knew I was in danger when I asked her a question about Half-Blood Prince and she went. I don't know. I do not pay attention to this movie. And I went, oh, no, Whoa. I'm not in for a treat tonight. Because <laughs> to me, it felt like almost felt like the age of Ultron of Harry Potter films of Ooh. we have to set up all of this stuff. Let's do it really quickly. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. In yeah. reality, they and this was just a product of the the times that the movies came out. They didn't like 
have the concept of maybe we should break it into two films. Because I remember when they broke the seventh book into two films, people were freaking out just right. like this has never been done before. I think in hindsight, they probably would have spent two movies on six and that would have allowed them to make the Horcruxes – that whole explanation a lot more thorough and less like slapdash like, oh, yeah, there are these things and Voldemort's in them and uh, you need to kill him. Yeah. It, it, like it came out of nowhere of just like I, I think you on Potterless are very much like me where I'm like, I think it's like this. And mm-hmm. then at one point I, I was sitting there and I went, oh, this is the scene with the Horcruxes. And she just looks over at me like, yeah, you're right. Well, we can just turn off the film now, I guess. I went, oh, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they do Horcruxes do kind of come out of nowhere in the books, too, but they take a lot of time to explain them. And I think what really doesn't get fleshed out much in the movies when they do the whole stuff in the pensive where they go back and and look at the memories in the books there. It's like an entire chapter where Dumbledore and Harry talk beforehand. It's almost like lessons where like before they go into it, Dumbledore talks to Harry about like, here's what you're going to see. Here's what to expect. Then they go and see the memory. And then afterwards, he kind of recaps much like a teacher and says, "Okay, what did you think about this? What did you see here? Did you notice this? And in the movie, they kind of really only focus on the flashback and they don't really go into that back and forth where Harry and Dumbledore talk about the importance of what they saw. And that is what teaches Harry in the books, but then also the reader by association. Oh, this is why all of this is important. And you kind of lose that in the movie. Yeah, it just kind of helps you get used to it as opposed to just being like this exists now which by the way that's my favorite scene because Dumbledore or not Dumbledore Voldemort's going to talk about it and he's just like well you'd have to kill someone and you would put your piece away and then you would live forever and then instead of just being like oh that's cool Voldemort Tom is just like what if I did it like seven times though I know one's bad (laughs) but let's just keep it going man yeah I mean That's the thing is that he's already asking something absurd just to ask about Horcruxes, but he takes it to the next level where he's not asking Slughorn, can I make a Horcrux? He's asking, can I make seven of them? Can I make a lot of them? You know that thing it would, you know that thing that would be bad if I did it once? Would it be, what would it be if I did it seven times though? You know how I'm not supposed to kill anyone at all? What if I killed a bunch of people and then did a really bad thing on top of that? And mm-hmm. then I did it seven times. <laughs> I, uh, I also enjoyed the fact that like, I really enjoyed the plot point of like, well, he affected this memory because he was, uh, what, what's the, what's it called? Like an oculum? O- uh, oh, occlumency. Yeah. Occlumency. I, that That's how he was able to like affect the memory. Right. Right. I would have loved if they're like, okay, here's the true memory. Oh, he learns about Horcruxes. Also, does Slughorn have a mullet? Why did he leave that? (laughs) (laughs) They also also really fucked that up in the movie. Um, I'm allowed to say mean words, right? I'm allowed to say toilet words. Cool, cool, cool. They really messed that up in the movie. Um, In the book, they do a better job of making it really apparent that he altered the memory whereas in the movie it kind of like i know it gets like kind of cloudy and echoey but in the uh in the book they describe it as like literal clouds fog up the entire room when slughorn puts in the parts where he lies so in the books they make it way more obvious whereas when i was watching the movies i was watching them with my buddy johnny uh and i had to ask him like is that supposed to be the slughorn messing with the memory thing and he said yeah so it's just not 
super apparent. It looks like a poorly edited scene. That's all it really yeah, reads like. It, it wasn't great. And it's hard with these movies because, like, visual effects wasn't super there in the mid-2000s and oh, when yeah. these were coming out. But uh, in the, the whole thing, I think the book did a better job of explaining that, like, it is very clear that they were tampered with. And it was very, very obvious. And that mm-hmm. kind of got lost in translation in the film. Um, I, I will also say another one of my theories about why you chose book six before I would gotten into it. I was like, I bet there's no Quidditch in it. And that's why you wanted to do it. No, there's not just Quidditch. There's also like the backstory to Quidditch. There's coaching with Quidditch. There's a lot of Quidditch. There. Also, uh, <laughs> my favorite uh, Quidditch scene in this, and probably the entire series, is when Ron drinks the supposed Felix Felicis. Yeah, the Space Jam part. Thank you! I said the same damn thing. I looked at him like, he just got Michael's secret stuff, and yeah. it's time to there, jam. There's a whole Potterless episode about me yelling about how J.K. Rowling just plagiarized Space Jam. It really is straight up Space like, cause 100%. First, <laughs> I, all I could think was after – like the whole time I'm like, well, I guess it is just like liquid luck. Then afterwards Harry pulls out the normal vial and I went, you just – it's Space Jam. It's, You've ruined yeah. Space Jam. I hope the Looney Tunes are receiving royalties for every time this movie yeah, is yeah. purchased because <laughs> it really no. is. But No, they yeah. actually have – they've got the rights for the remake I've been told. Elmer Fudd is going to be playing <laughs> Snape. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, there's a lot of Quidditch in there, and it's not super fun. But I do love, and probably because it's bad, just because it seems so out of place, is that you get the Quidditch thing where Ron saves the day, and then they have the party after. And much like every movie in the 2000s, they have, like, whatever that song is that was in every mid-2000s movie. Yeah. Uh, it's not, is it work it out? It's like some, it's one of those songs where you're like, oh, this was in every movie for four years. And it also found its way into this movie about wizards. Yeah, it was just like a wizarding adaptation of it. I'm, it I mean, it's literally the same song. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so they didn't alter it. It's just so funny to have all the, like, if you look at the soundtrack of this film, it would be all string things and then this one, like, mid 2000s pop song. <laughs> the Space Jam theme just randomly thrown in now, there. That's that. It some shit i could get behind yes uh i really also enjoy that quidditch scene where ron is saving the day because we watched it with closed captionings on and i swear to god every single line of dialogue in that scene is come on ron come on ron cut to someone else come on ron come on ron i'm like you could have written any other words for sports i mean Probably. And that's the thing. J.K. Rowling, just not a big sports head. The fullest fullest extent of her sports knowledge might be Space Jam. Yes. And come on, Ron. She was sitting (laughs) back like, what do people chant at those sporting events? Ma, come on, Ron. That's it. That's the one. Mm hmm. Also, I will say this film, once again, going back to like throwing in random twists out of nowhere, the Snape, like everyone knew Snape was bad. But this film straight up is like, we don't need to explain it. Here's a scene where he's hanging out with two Death Eaters. Hope you guys are caught up. Yeah, I guess that is something that's lost. So you haven't read the books at all? You've only seen the movies? I've only seen I've read the first two books. Okay. So they set this up a little bit better in, uh, I mainly in book five. Mm-hmm. They set it up a little better where like you learn effectively that Snape is a double agent for the Death Eaters because he's in the Order of the Phoenix. Dumbledore trusts him. Snape's whole purpose of being is that he's a double agent with the Death Eaters. All the Death Eaters think that he is 
legit a Death Eater with them, but Dumbledore trusts that he's not. And that becomes the whole big point of contention between Harry and Dumbledore about Snape yeah. because Harry doesn't trust him. Harry thinks that what Snape is doing – like, basically, Dumbledore is having Snape pretend to be in the Death Eaters, but really just send information to Order of the Phoenix. Harry thinks that the same thing is being done to Dumbledore, except Harry's, uh, Snape is giving all the information to Voldemort. So it's hard to say, like, yes, he's a double agent, and that's understood. But what? Where does his allegiance lie? And that is lost in the film for sure. And then the sixth film does the awful thing where it's the whole, like, Snape turning to Harry and saying shush thing, which does not even come close to happening in the book. Which yeah, yeah. doesn't make any sense at all of why Harry would not freak out when the teacher he despises tells him to shush. Like, it's very, uh, I mean, very I, upset. The only argument I could come up with it is, like, maybe Snape heard Dumbledore beforehand being like, go get Snape. You can trust him because I told you and I'm Dumbledore. And then Snape walks up and is like, hey, it's all good, man. It's just me. Snape, you know, this is how I talk. <laughs> Be quiet. Uh, it is how he talks. Yeah, that's exactly how he talks. He's basically the Snoop Dogg of the wizarding world. Yeah, that sounds bad. Uh, and then I guess, I guess you can't talk about this book without talking about the epic, the biggest spoiler to ever hit the world of Snape killing Dumbledore. Yeah. Which to me is like a perfect spoiler because it has so much more behind it that makes you want to read the book anyways because mm -hmm. it's wait why did he kill Dumbledore and then even after you see it you're still like I don't know if it's because I'm aware of the series and aware of like you know st uh, like the rest of the books and so I'm like I still don't know where his allegiances lie I don't know if yeah. he turns good I mm -hmm. don't know if he's just like it's such a perfect spoiler because it just intrigues you more. Right. I mean, that's the whole point of Snape. And I at least know just from the pop culture surrounding Harry Potter that people at least are supposed to like Snape. He does something to be somewhat redeemed. But I'm like four chapters away from finishing the seventh book and he still hasn't done anything worth redemption. And it's still shady about why he's good. So it's it's very tricky and hard. And yeah, it's a big thing with the six movies. You're trying to figure out why he did it and if he did it out of evil or if it was a plan. My theory is that it was it was a plan that he and Dumbledore had already discussed. The big, the big thing is Dumbledore says, Severus, please. And the interpretation is is severus please severus please do this or severus please don't do this and that's what it all comes down to right i, I will say that tracks too because uh I, as he's walking away at the end and is like i'm the half-blood prince which is not that good of a twist i think she just wanted a twist in the film and she's sure. like ah that journal you've got it was snape's anyways have a good one um so as he's walking away and saying that i turned and i went so how long do I have to wait to figure out what's actually going on? And she goes, oh, probably like until 15 minutes till the end of the last movie. So, yeah, I think you're probably about to get to the Snape is actually a good guy section. Yes, I know that I think I'm on chapter 32. I think chapter 33 is where you at least get the explanation of why he did what he did. Um, yeah. I don't think it'll be good enough for me to like him. I do think, and this is something movie specific, I do think people and fans of the series have a higher opinion on Snape because he was played by Alan Rickman in the movies and Alan Rickman is just so likable. Yes. He's I've never seen a more sinister likable person. Like I know you'll I know you'll kill me, but I love every second of it. Oh no, he's fantastic. Um but it's just like you can't how do you hate 
how do you hate Alan Rickman? Yeah. Even in Die Hard, I'm like, ah, that John McClane. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I will say this is the worst film for my one biggest – my one big thread that's been tying all of our HP episodes together is my vast defense of Draco Malfoy. And Uh boy, that got hard with this one. (laughs) Yeah, not great. I mean, he basically facilitates the Death Eaters – breaking into the school and that leads to Dumbledore's death. I mean, I guess he has that cool, intimate moment with the apple, but that's about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, where he's just like, oh, someone took a bite of this apple. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, uh, Drapple is my favorite ship. There's, like, in multiple movies, he (laughs) sensually eats an apple. uh, And and that's become a bit of a meme. So that's my my OTP, is, is Draco and the apple. My only, like, redeeming quality for him throughout this one is... Oh, well, I will say, at least he's no longer a dumb bully. He seems yeah, more he's like a... very resourceful. Yeah, he's now a calculated bully. That's the only difference. But also, he seems pretty sad while he's doing all of this, and that's the only thing that makes me think, like, he's not that bad of a guy. I mean... He's upset that he's killing Dumbledore. Yes. He was forced into doing it because of his father's transgressions, and he has a you know a a death omen over him where if he doesn't do this thing he will get murdered and that's part of why snape ends up doing it is to spare malfoy's life so he's in a tough spot however at least in this movie still he's still racist so not a whole big (laughs) fan um well i feel like i must admit to you at this point i am a slytherin and this Mm -hmm. all of them just so racist against me no one supports my people in these films well i mean read the i just got to a part i won't spoil it in the seventh book but like basically slytherin house is given the chance to help and fight voldemort and every single person decides no oh yeah all of them all of them so not a good look for slytherin house it feels bad because, like, at that point, shouldn't, like, the Pottermore quiz at one point be like, what level of racism would you describe you're at? If you haven't <laughs> selected absolutely, you won't be in Slytherin House. Because yeah. otherwise you're just making a bunch of kids who are really excited about their cool new snake house go into a world where they're little demon children. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things, because before I had read any of these, and you've been to Harry Potter World before, I correct? have, Yes. Had you read or, like, seen the movies or read them by the time you had went? Um, I've been a couple times. I went once when I had only read, like, the first two books. And then I went once when I had read – I was, like, on book six. And then I went once very recently where I was, like, almost done with this seventh book. I went this past October. So every time I got farther in the series, it made it a better experience because I was like, oh, I understand what this is now. Or, oh, yeah, I get this now. Mm-hmm. it's almost the opposite for me not that it doesn't make it better because it's always amazing to go there it's it makes the movies cooler so like the scene where they go to weasley's wizarding wheezes in this one i got so excited because that's my favorite shop in all of universal right and i was just screaming going they got it all right it's all perfectly accurate yeah it, the, i think the biggest thing for for the wizarding world of harry potter is you can see like how much work went into visually crafting stuff in the movies because it is very much just how can we replicate what was done in the films and make it as realistic as possible like it's all it's all based off of that and it, and that is like kudos to the movies for doing a great job of taking what jk wrote and putting it into a visual medium for people to check out right 
And then also they made Slughorn into a recliner, which is that is that in the book? Yes, it is. Why? <laughs> um, it's when oh, I mean, same thing in the movie where like he he's like trying to act like he he doesn't want to do this job and he doesn't want Dumbledore to find him, so he acts like he's just in a house that got broken into and not and he's not actually there, but Dumbledore knows. Slughorn's such a weird character to me because he seems like there's sinister undertones, but also it seems like he's just some weird alcoholic. He's not great, and I yeah. on Potterless have taken a big stance of like there aren't any good Slytherins. I think we know about two of them, but some people try to say that Slughorn is one of them, and he's objectively not. He is very creepy and like acts like he owns children and is very like showing off like look at all of these prize students that I've had before. Look how much they love me. Yeah, there's this line of Dumbledore just like, he's going to try to collect you, Harry. Yeah. And I'm like, he's not a playing card. Yeah, super strange. But then also, which we learned with the whole flashback thing, is that he knew that Tom Riddle was asking about Horcruxes, which students shouldn't do. And because he was embarrassed that he told Tom Riddle too much stuff, he never told Dumbledore. Had he told Dumbledore right away, hey, I got a student that asked about Horcruxes and I said too much before I realized he was being sinister, you might want to look into it. That would have allowed Dumbledore to start looking for Horcruxes like 10 years earlier and then he could have saved some lives. But no, because he's very prideful and selfish and concerned with his own image, people died. So cool, Slughorn. Real cool. Yeah, the only good Slytherin I don't even think is it. I mean, because Merlin was a Slytherin, so that's yeah, but he's fine. not in the books. Yeah, so that doesn't count. Is there? What's the other good? You said two good uh, Slytherins. Yeah, so it's like um, Tonks's mom. Oh and yeah, and you could say um, I don't want to spoil this part of the seventh movie for you. Um, oh no, wait, no, this is already no. That's in the beginning of seven, so I won't spoil it yet does it involve draco being becoming a good boy because i not, do know he becomes ha- a very good boy. i haven't got there yet so oh wh- what <laughs> i gotta yeah. wait this long to figure out snape and if draco becomes yeah, a good boy draco still sucks uh jesus christ <laughs> it's gonna be a long time you're at least waiting for the eighth film for that one to happen oh that's gonna be that's fantastic great mm-hmm but what is what is actually fantastic and not sarcastically fantastic, time for a little plug for our Patreon. Patreon.com slash a load of BS. It's where you can support us, all of the different BS network programs. You get shouted out on the show of your choice every single week like Joe Gennaro, the Patreon saint of fun fiction. And then you get access to our Discord, access to our exclusive show, You Paid for This. And with your support, we can keep getting awesome guests on like Shubes. I had to spend $5,000 in bath. Basketball money to give to him. <laughs> I mean, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, <laughs> basketball money. <laughs> That's what it is. Not, uh, but right now, we've talked about the film and all of its good things and its very bad things. But now let's move on to a very bad thing My Immortal. Okay. How much do you know of My Immortal before we actually get into the reading? All I know is that it exists, it is very okay. popular, and it is very over the top. And that it is the only fan fiction that I will cover in Potterless. Imagine if 2005 Hot Topic made a baby. Ooh, fun. Oh, it's it's not. <laughs> there are ma- like massive paragraphs just explaining what she's wearing for that day. There have been at least five good Charlotte concerts. Okay. 
Um, and last time we found out that apparently Ebony Darkness Dementia Ravenway, the main character, is the chosen one, which we, uh, we actually figured out was an STD because Vampire, who is Harry Potter, had sex with Draco because of course he did. And then uh-huh. Draco had sex with Ebony. So we're thinking it was like transferred from Harry to her in that way. Ah, okay. And the way she must defeat uh, – I, I hate to spoil the seventh book, but the way you defeat <laughs> Voldemort is by going back in time and seducing him. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so we are up to chapter 28. <clears throat> okay. We went into a black room. The walls were black with portraits of gothic bands like MCR, Good Charlotte, and Marlin – Oh, you, Mar- were, oh, you weren't kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Marlin Mason all over them. There's also very bad uh, spelling errors <laughs> that I – A big black coffin was in the middle. Red velvet lined a black box. There were three chairs made of bones with real skulls in them. I was wearing a black corset bar with purple stuff on it, fishnet suckings, and a black leather thong underneath. Oh, God, a leather thong? Doesn't sound good. Also, have they time-traveled yet or not yet? They've not time-traveled. Okay, I was going to say, these bands do not exist when Voldemort is young. (laughs) Yes. Right now, I think she's trying to sit Draco and Vampire down to explain to them what she has to do. Um, Uh I sat down one of the chairs dispersedly. So did Draco and Vampire. Are you okay? Vampire asked, potting his alabastered hand on mine. That's not a real word. He was wearing black nail polish. I was wearing black nail polish with red crosses on it. Yeah, I guess, I said sadly. Draco also pawed his hand on mine sexily. I smiled sadly with my black lipstick. The problem is, I have to seduce Voldemort. I'll have to go back in time. Draco started to cry. Vampire hugged him. It's okay, Anobi, he said finally. But what about me? You're not going to break up or anything, are you? Of course not, I gasped. Really, he asked. Sure, I said. That's the good resounding sure. (laughs) Yeah. We Frenched sexily. Vampire looked at us longingly. So Harry Potter is a cuckold, according to this series. Mm Mm-hmm. Then I took off Draco's MCR shrift and seductively took of his pants. (laughs) He, this is a great misspelling. He was hung like a Stallone. Oh, like Sylvester. <laughs> they had seen the Italian stallion. Uh, he had replaced the vampire tattoo that said Anobi on it. Black roses were around it. I gasped. He looked exactly like Gerard Ray. Vampire took a video camera. I had said it was okay before. So wait, that's not, I didn't joke earlier. Harry <laughs> no. Potter is Mm-mm. literally getting cuckolded. Yup. I took of my clothes. Then we are in the riff of our rife. What? I also really like that off is always of because like taking of clothes, that's very fun. Yes. We started Frenching as we climbed into the coffin. He put his Spock in my you know what and passively we did it. What? Not a, not We passively did it. What does that mean? <laughs> like low effort? Uh, just very lazily. Like even if that you're still making the active choice to do that. Yeah. That's, ugh, that's not how words work. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Aboby. Oh, let me feel you. I need to feel you. He screamed as we got an orgasm. That sounds like they just got one from the <laughs> as, store. As we got one. <laughs> yeah, we watched Vampire filmed everything perfectly. Suddenly, what the fuck are you doing? It was Snope and Professor McGoggle. Nice. 
that's the end of that chapter. <laughs> oh, wow. What a meaty, juicy chapter. Yes. Oh, no. These chapters are all... Ve- these are uh, little chicken McNuggets of chapters. Uh, chapter 29. Oh, my Satan! We screamed as we jumped out at a coffin. Snap and Professor McGoonagall started to shoot at us angrily. Come now! Now, they did nice. spell... They did spell come C-U-M. <laughs> of course they did. Yes. Preacher McGongle yielded. We did guiltily. We'd left the room putting on our clothes. Snoop garbled the caramel and put it in his pocket. What? What? what ca- like a Werther's original? Yeah, I was just say, let me... Uh, firstly, Snoop. So uh-huh. I think I was accurate earlier when I said he sounds like Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. Garbed the caramel and put it in his pocket. It Was this actually really poorly executed, or is this like a tongue-in-cheek, bad-on-purpose fan I, fiction? I think I've read before that it might have been tongue-in-cheek. But yeah, and it seems too bad to be genuine. Yeah. Um, also, I think caramel is camera spelled wrong, so they oh. took the camera. Uh, hey, what the fuck? Vampire shooted angrily. Yeah, Buster. <laughs> what the fuck are you going to do with the fucking camera? You can't say fuck that many times and say Buster at the beginning of your sentence. Very true. Draco demanded all protective, looking at me longly with his gothic red eyes. Look, Dumble- Dumblehorn knows your little secret. If you do this again, then you will go to St. Mango's. So I, back- That's the kind of I want to go to that hospital instead of St. Mungo's. <laughs> that's a good one. They serve uh, daiquiris on the reg. Uh, ha ha ha, the ministry, the mystery of magic thinks he is crazy. There is no way they will believe him. Snoop laughed meanly. Yes, so shut your mouth, you insolent fools, yelled Professor McGoggle. She made us come into a weird room with white stones all around it. There were all these weird tools in it. Draco started to cry, all sexy and sexative. What? Oh my god. I guess seductive, but sexative? (laughs) It says, get it, because he's a sex-born, lol, torn, fell-not, rules for life, but not as much as Gerard, your sex on legs, I love you, you fucking rock, marry me. That was just in the story. That was just in the story there. Um, Love that. I started to cry tears of blood. Vampire took out a black honkerchief and started to wipe my red eyes. A honkerchief? A honkerchief. (laughs) That's That's what gooses use. We all have to call handkerchiefs honkerchiefs now. That's so yes. much better. And then he and Snoop both took out guns using magic. All right. Not hands? They, no, <laughs> no, they used magic guns. They started to shoot each, shoot each other angrily. None of the ballots got on each other yet. I took out my wand. Crossio, I shouted. Snap started to scram and he dropped a gun, but it was too late. Both of them had run out of ballets. I stopped to curse. Professor McGoogle did a spell so that we were all chained up. She took out a box of tools. Then she said, okay, Severus, I'm going to go now. She left. Snap started to laugh evilly. Vampire started to cry. It's okay, Anobi, said Draco. Every green will be all right. Remember Decidio you took of Snake? Snape laughed again. And then he took out some whips. Mm. Oh, chapter 30. <laughs> Did he take those out magically or regularly? It was very magic whipping. Good. No, we screamed sadly. Snap stated loafing meanly. There are times when I'm reading this where I just don't try to figure out. And I just, it's kind of like Anchorman. I just read what's in front of me. But what I you got to do. 
I did just use the word snap stated loafing meanly, and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I know it means laughing meanly, but yeah. to, to to loaf in a way that is <laughs> disrespectful and rude makes me excited yes. about the uh, prospect of that being a thing. <laughs> He took out a camera anvilly. Then he came towards Darko. He took some stones out of his pocket. He put the stones around Draco and knit a candle. What uh, the f- oh, wait. Okay, first. <laughs> he took out... What did he take out? Anvilly? A- he, he took out a camera with a K, anvilly. But anvilly. then he took out so some stones. Anvilly, I'm assuming it dropped from the sky and made a swoop noise. Yes. And then he knitted a candle. That's yeah. very impressive. That's hard to do. Yes. Uh, what the fuck are you doing? I shooted angrily. Snoop laughed meanly. He pulled down his pants. I gasped. Why is he's wearing pants and not robes? Well, he, I guess it's like he's got the robe and then the clothes in front of it, maybe. But Snape is a, he's a robe boy. He's not a pants boy. That's something you learn in the fifth <laughs> book. He doesn't wear pants. I was going to say, this does imply that any time if there's a stiff breeze, Snape just Marilyn Monroe's and has to keep it down. Hey, you got to do what you got to do when you're a robe mm-hmm. fanatic. Um, now, I hate that we stopped in front of the greatest line in this whole thing so oh, far. Oh, let's go. There was a dork mark on his you-know-what. Nice. A dork <laughs> mark. So it's like, it's uh, it says something like... Gosh, it, I don't want to. It's like the normal dark mark, except it's got Groucho Mark glasses on the skull. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's better than any joke I was going to come yeah. up with. He waved his wand and a knife came. Once again, a magical knife. He mm-hmm. gave the knife to me. You must stab Vampire, he said to me. If you don't, then I'll wrap Draco. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't like this. Well, my name's Snoop. <laughs> Snape dog and I'm I mean, here to yeah, say. if he if he is Snoop and literally starts rapping at Draco, like yeah. I'd be down for a rap battle in a Harry Potter movie. Oh, absolutely. Uh no, you fucking bastard, I yielded. But then Draco looked at me sadly with his evil gothic red eyes that looked so depressant and sexy. He looked exactly like a print pentagram. Nah, no. no That's not a thing. He didn't. He didn't. <laughs> Yeah. He did not look like a shape. <laughs> yes, he looked well no, it says he looks like a pentagram between Kurt Cobain and Gerard. But then I looked at Vampire and he also looked smexy with his gothic black hair. I thought of the time when we screwed Alright. In cool. the t- in the time I did it with Draco and Dumbledore came, and the time where Gre- Draco almost committed suicide and Vampire was so sportive. That was just that was almost like a uh, a look back. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, remember, I'm assuming those things all happened earlier in this book. Yes, yes, yes. So that's also, just, uh, in case you forgot. Yeah. Also, calling it a book is very generous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Snipe laughed angrily. Snipe! He started, to, <laughs> he started to pray to Volsamort. He started to do an incapitation, dancing around the stokes, whipping Draco and Vampire. Suddenly, an idea I had. Is, I closed my... Yes. Is incapitation when you take a disembodied head and put it back on a body? Is the <laughs> opposite of decapitation? Yes. I closed my eyes and using vampire's powers, I sent a telepathic message to Draco and vampire so they would destruct Snape. Why not just use your vampire powers to destruct Snape? Why you need them? You know, makes it more fun to do it through them. Dumbledore will get you, Draco shooted. Yeah, just wait until the mystery find out, vampire yelled. Meanwhile, I took out my... Oh, it wasn't destruct. It was distract. Yes, it was distract. Okay, okay, now I but see. But destruct is also a good misspelling that could have a double meaning. 
Yeah. You ridiculous donderhead, Snoop yielded. He took off all of Draco's clothes. Just as he was about to rap, Crossio! I shitted, pounding my wound. Snoop scrimmed and started running around the room scrimming. Meanwhile, I grabbed my black mobile and sent a text to Sirius. Oh, do you think that's a joke that she's got a black mobile and she's texting Sirius with it? When did this come out? I don't think... Oh, black mobile. I thought you were making a Siri joke. I was like, I think this thing is pre-Siri. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. I stopped doing Crucio. You dunderhead, I'm gonna kill, shooted Snape. But then suddenly Severus came because he has the best uh, phone service of all time. Nice. Snake put the whip behind his back. Oh, hello. I was just teaching him something. He lied. But suddenly Lucian and Professor Trevor Lee come into the room, and they and Sirius unlock the chains and put them around Snap. Then Professor Trevor Lee said, Come on, Anobi. Let's go. Chapter 31. That was just the end of that one, I guess. Oh, wow. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Oh, God. <clears throat> I always knew you were on Voldemort's side, you son of a big bicker, Sirius said to Snap. No, I'm not. I was just teaching him something, Snap claimed. Oh, fucking yeah? I took some black vulcer... Morse- That's not a word. I'm not mm-hmm. even going to try. He took, she took something out of her pocket and gave it to Severus. He made Snap drink it. He did angrily. Oh, Veritaserum. Oh, oh my God. She did not say that. She tried. It looks like Voldemort serum. Maybe then, it is. Yeah. Then Lucius took out a tape recorder and started to play it while he did curses on Snap. Then Professor Sinister and Lucian made us get out get out with him while Snape told his secrets. Lucian took Vampire and Draco to the nurse after thanking me a million times. One million times. An entire... At one point, she was like, I need to go. And they're like, no, no, thank you, thank you, thank you. Trevorly took me to a dark room. Now I was going to go back in time to seduce Voldemort. Moving posters of MCR and Nirvana were all over. Hermione... It's just here now. Darkness and Willow claim too. Bloody Mary gave me a black bag from Tom Riddle's store. Hey, also, I forgot to mention this. Tom Riddle's just a secondary character. He's oh, not cool. Voldemort. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He works at Hot Topic because I feel like that's where Tom Riddle would end up. It sounds correct. What's in the bag? I asked Professor Trevorly. You will see, she said. I opened the bag. In it was a sexy little low-top black leather gothic dress. It had red corset stuff, and there was a slit up the leg. I put it on. My friends helped me put on black fishnets and black pointy boots. Willow had chosen. Willow and Darkness helped me put on black eyeliner and blood-red lipstick. You look fucking kawaii, bitch, Bloody Mary said. Wow. Yeah, dude. Fangs, I said. Okay, now you're gonna go back in Tim. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what I <laughs> said, Professor Sinister. You will have to do it in a few sessions. She gave me a black gun. I put it in a strap on my fishnets, like in Re- Resident Evil. <laughs> yep. I also like that they keep clarifying that things are black. We know that things are either going to be black or red, so you don't have to keep. It's reminding all cool. Us. <laughs> she that. Well, hold on. Speaking of, she gave me a black time tuner. <laughs> Uh-huh. After after an hour, used a time turner to go back here, Professor Trevorly said. Then she and Bloody Mary put a pensive in front of me. Everyone went in front of it. Good luck, everyone shooted. Darkness and Willow gave me death's touch sin. Then I jumped sexily into the pensive. How does Suddenly, one how does one jump sexily into a bird bath, basically? Uh, <laughs> um, have you seen the intro to Friends? Just imagine that, but smaller. <laughs> 
Suddenly, I was in front of the school. In front of me was one of the sexiest goth guys I had ever seen. He was wearing long black hair, kind of like Mikey Way, only black. He had green eyes like Billy Joe Armstrong and pale uh, wit skin. Why, he was wearing- why did she jump into the pensive? Time, you don't have to jump into the pensive is not a time travel device. <laughs> it's for Maybe memories. She, she just wanted to. I guess. He was wearing a black ripped up suit with Vans. It was... Tom Bombadil? Hmm? <laughs> and that was the end of that one. Cool. Yeah, I think we're going to have to call it there. Cool. I love a good cliffhanger. Who knows who Tom Bombody is? We'll find out. I think it's that guy from Motel 6. Oh, okay. He's going to leave a light on for her. That's good. Which is bad because she loves the darkness. Oh, so, that's true. Uh, before we get into my fan fiction, I'm just going to plug a little bit more to talk about merch.aloadofpurebs.com. It's the Ooh. website where you can get merch for all of the different BS Network programs. There's shirts for fun fiction, including the brand new one that just says fan fiction. It's weird and private, which is very, very true. Nice. Uh, we've got wine glasses, mugs, all kinds of stuff at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. Now, uh, I want to. I guess I should give you a little bit of backstory to my fan fiction because Please. you said th- you said there was only like one good Slytherin, and I feel bad about that <laughs> because my entire fan fiction has basically been Lion King one and a half, except instead of Timon and Pumbaa, it's my own Slytherin character. Well, that's good. I mean, I always thought there should have been like a good Slytherin one. That would be a great perspective is like the guy who got sorted into Slytherin and is actually nice. And then he's just like, come on, everybody. Let's Mm -hmm. not be so mean to Harry. He's an orphan. Yeah. Uh, I felt bad because in the last episode he joined Dumbledore's army. And then I looked up and they were like, Dumbledore's army famously had no Slytherins. And I'm like, not anymore. Zero. (laughs) I'm like, y'all racists. That's that's. Slytherin house for you. Mm-hmm. But, of course, after he joins uh, Team Dumbledore, he then uh, comes into contact with his father, who he for a very long time assumed to become, who he assumed was a Death Eater, mm-hmm. who escaped from Azkaban, but then his father saved him by taking out another Death Eater. So it's very curious what's going on with them. Ooh. Ooh. So let's read on. Mm-hmm. Get out of my house and get away from my son. My mom basically had me in a chokehold as she held me away from my father, the man who had saved me and Joshua from death not a few hours prior. Despite her furious tone, he kept a smile on his face. That smile of a man who had spent years in prison praying that he see his wife again one day. Wipe that dumb smile off your face and leave. Well, I see you haven't changed one bit. He approached her, keeping that coy smile on his face. I feel her arms slowly release me as the fury fades from her body. He attempts to place an arm around her when she suddenly shoves him backwards. Don't think you can get away with this that easy. I've spent years raising this boy by myself, keeping this home safe by myself. You abandoned us in what? For for Voldemort? For the Death Eaters? Right. I, uh, I guess you are owed a bit of an explanation. Uh, you might want to put on some tea. And with that, Dad sat down and stared us in our eyes, and his smile faded. His mouth curled downwards into a grimace as he cleared his throat. I'm... I'm so sorry. I should have told you about what happened when I left, but I had to be discreet. I was under direct orders to tell no one what was happening that night. Not even your wife. 
Look, when Dumbledore speaks, I listen. Our eyes widened at this statement. What was my dad doing working with Dumbledore? I was trying to join the Order of the Phoenix. I found their headquarters one day and I asked if I could join them and after a good laugh pointing at the Slytherin crest on my jacket, they realized I was being serious. And Dumbledore decided that I was more useful outside of the Order. You see, no one knew what it was like working within the Death Eaters. No one knew what, who they were, how they operated, anything, so they sent me to join them. My position as Slytherin Prefect meant that it didn't take long until I was sought out by Voldemort, so I worked within their ranks, learned the best ways to defeat them all, all while wearing this. With that, he produced a small necklace with incantations written around the outside. Dumbledore crafted it, called the Occlumens Pendant. It prevented them from ever reading my thoughts and knowing what was really going on. So wait a minute. How are we supposed to know that you're telling the truth now? Mom asked with a smirk while staring down at that pendant. Keeping your mind closed sure isn't a good way to convince us. Guess you'll just have to trust me blindly, he replied with a sly smile as he continued his tale. So, on to the night. I had finally proven to the Death Eaters that I was worth their time, that I was ready to be fully initiated. We met at Borgen and Burks, and I was this close to getting to where I needed to go, to becoming who I needed to be to defeat Voldemort, when the Ministry decided to do a little raid, and nothing I said would convince them. Nothing I said about Dumbledore or the Order or anything would convince them that I wasn't there to join the Dark Lord's side, because... After all, I had no connections to the Order, no connections to Dumbledore. I had done everything to prove to Voldemort that I was worth becoming a Death Eater. Unfortunately, I guess I had proven that to the Ministry, too. And Dumbledore didn't come to clear your name? He should have known. In fact, the entire Order should have known. Dad, you were locked up for years with those people. I tried to argue these facts, but Dad merely laughed and reached forward, taking up his cup of tea. Look, Dumbledore has his reasons for everything. Well, you should have told us, Mom argues, causing Dad to roll his eyes. We would have come to clear your name. We would have helped you. I didn't need your help, Dad responds with that same knowing smile. I didn't want it. I wanted you two to live a normal life, a happy life, not caught up in Death Eaters and Dark Lords, but I guess that point's moot now, huh? Yes, but at least we don't have to worry about that anymore, Mom comments, causing Dad and I to both raise our eyebrows. What? We say in unison as she blows on her hot cup of tea before taking a sip. Oh, no, 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 no. You think I don't get a say here? You thought you could just join the Order of the Phoenix, that you could fight the most dangerous wizard in existence without telling me? I smirk at Dad before she suddenly turns towards me. And apparently the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree as you were caught fighting Death Eaters and joining something called Dumbledore's Army? Look, I'm sorry, but am I not allowed to have a say here? You're my son, and you're my husband. Without you, I've got nothing here. Nothing. I understand that you fight, but you need to understand that I can't lose you. Well, <laughs> then I guess I can't lose the fight, huh? Dad responds as, she, as he stands when she grabs him by the arm and pulls him back, frantic. No, no more fighting. No more Dark Lords. No more Death Eaters. No more wizardry. No more. But if we don't fight, he could destroy everything, Mom. I try to explain our actions, but she's done with our explanations. Then let someone else fight. Let that Potter kid fight. Let the Gryffindors fight. Because, hey, they're courageous. They're brave. They're willing to put it all on the line in battle. But I'm not. I'm not willing to lose you. Understood? Understood. 
And with that, the night ended somberly, each of us retreating to our rooms to sleep for the night. At least, attempt to sleep. I was too busy thinking about everything I had seen up to that point. The return of the Death Eaters, the death of Cedric Diggory, the torture of the man I loved. How could I not fight after that? How could I not do everything in my power to make it stop? And worse yet, if I don't fight now, if Voldemort's power keeps growing, how long until I'm going to be forced to fight? These thoughts were suddenly interrupted by the sound of a window opening, followed by a loud grunt as something fell into the bushes near my window. Well, not something, someone. I looked outside and saw my father sneaking away from the house, quickly rushing out to the street. I couldn't believe him. How dare he disobey his own wife? How dare he put himself in danger like that again? I knew I couldn't let him get away with it, so I jumped out my own window and gave chase. As I started to near him, however, I realized that he was on a route that I was all too familiar with. The route to Diagon Alley. Realizing this, I slowly trailed him, making sure to hide if he ever decided to look behind him. I just had to know what he was doing in Diagon so late at night. A quick turn down a dark alley sent us towards a place that I had only been once, two once before. Nocturne Alley. As I stared at the sign in horror, I realized that Dad was getting away from me, so I rushed forward only to be knocked to my feet as I slammed into something big. A hand reached down and quickly picked me up. The light of a nearby torch illuminated my father's face as he stared at me with a mixture of confusion and disappointment. "'What you doing, Junior?' he asked as I blinked a few times, trying to come up with an excuse. "'Ah, just stepping out for a late-night butterbeer, Dad. How about you?' "'Why were you following me? You heard your mother. She'd be devastated if something ever happened to you.' "'Happened to us, Dad. Both of us. She lost you once. She can't do it again.' Dad thinks this over for a moment when suddenly voices sound from a nearby alleyway. Dad places a finger to his lips as we slowly approach the building known as Borgen and Burks and slowly peer inside to see... Draco? I asked with a raised eyebrow as I see Draco Malfoy standing in the center of a group of Death Eaters. Bellatrix Lestrange, Fenrir, Greyback, and more all staring at him as he looked down at a glowing green cauldron. Dad, is he... Well, like father, like son... He remarks with a sad smile, placing an arm around me, before suddenly a bright green light filled that room, blinding us momentarily. The Death Eaters quickly dispersed from Draco, causing us to rush back into Diagon Alley before we were caught. A brick, a, a stray brick catches Dad by the foot and he quickly falls to the ground. Keep going, Sammy. Don't worry about me. What a dumb statement. After years of living without him, years of wondering what happened to him, he expects me not to worry? I've, I've got a PhD in worrying about him at this point. I turn back and see Fenrir slowly approaching my father, wand drawn. I had no choice. Confringo! I screamed out and sent a massive blast of fire towards Fenrir, sending him flying back in a massive explosion. Dad stares back wide-eyed before scrambling to his feet and rushing towards me, both of us flying out towards Diagon. How did you do that? He asked with that same dumbstruck expression I saw illuminated by my fire blast. What do you mean? I just read about it in one of my books and I did it. Is that not how this works? No, that's not how it works! He yells as, as we return to Diagon and quickly rush back out into the muggle world. We spot a nearby diner and sit down for a well-earned fourth meal. So, how's school going? Well, one of my classmates is now a Death Eater and my headmaster has prevented my father from going free from jail for, let's say, about 15 years now. So, it's not exactly my favorite place right now. Well, too bad, because you're going back in a few months, and you're not going to say anything about tonight to anyone, especially Dumbledore. Promise? Yep. 
Totally promised, Dad. I don't know if he was exhausted or just dumb to miss the sheer sarcasm of that promise, but Dad accepted it, and a few months later, I was back at Hogwarts. With the removal of Umbridge as headmaster, things were actually a lot better. Me and Joshua got to spend more time together, students became more accepting of us, everything was amazing. With one little exception. Draco. Draco had been terrible for the first five years of classes, but this year was different. It was beyond terrible. It was terrifying. Every threat he made suddenly had so much more gravitas, more weight to it. His threats were no longer empty. The pain that he wanted to inflict, he suddenly could. Lucky for me, he was distracted. I was no longer a source of bullying for him. He just kind of ignored me. But that was the most terrifying thing of all. It was as if all of that hatred and cruelty in his soul that he was using against me every single day, like he was saving it up. Like he was waiting to unleash it all in one terrible moment, and I was scared. The only thing more terrifying was the day I was called to Dumbledore's office. I had been doing everything right up until that point. I had passed all my tests, had great scores on my owls. I even went to the damn Quidditch games and cheered on Slytherin. I was an ideal student. I had no reason to get called to his office. July 11th, 1996. Samuel Nails used the Confringo spell outside of school grounds. Okay, maybe there was one reason to get called into his office, but I don't understand how it took this long for them to call me in for it. Mr. Nails, this letter came across my desk on July 12th, and I was told to immediately expel you. But conveniently for you, the letter was misplaced for several months, but now things have changed. Things have come to my attention that I'm going to need your help with. What? Things like what you need my father to help you with? Things that, you know, could get me separated from my family for 15 years without a peep from you? That's correct, Mr. Nails. I see a lot of your father in you. That man did more for the Order than you will ever know. Then why let him rot away in jail? Why let his family live without him? You could have cleared his name. You could have gave me back my father. Samuel. No, I couldn't have. Your father knew the risk when he got involved, and forgive me, I, I shouldn't have called it a risk, because it wasn't. A risk involves a possibility that you make it out on the other side, a, a possibility you come out unscathed. No, what your father did wasn't a risk, it was a fact. He knew getting involved with the Death Eaters would lead to his demise, and Samuel, I'll be honest, if I... Or any of us had cleared his name, all of those Death Eaters would suddenly know that your father was working for us. And his demise would have come sooner than any of us would have wanted. But why him? You could have sent anyone. Why him? Look, you, your father, your mother, you're a special breed, Samuel. You have unlimited potential built up inside you because you are a rarity in this world. You're a Slytherin. You're cunning ambitious, powerful entities. You're willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish your goals. And many, many Slytherins waste that potential on themselves. They work for their own needs. They use their power for their own ambition. They idiotically believe everything is about them. But you and your father, if I'm not mistaken, you work for everyone. 
You're willing to use your ambition and your cunning to make the world a better place. And that, my dear boy, is why you're such a rarity. And why I think you can help follow in your father's footsteps and bring down Voldemort. Suddenly, the sound of a door closing from behind us chimes throughout the room, echoing throughout Dumbledore's office. We stare at each other and slowly turn towards the closed doorway. Dumbledore pulls out his wand, but I stop him. I got this. I comment as I quickly rush out of the doorway to see Draco Malfoy shivering and crouched in the corner. I slowly approach him as I notice tears running down his cheeks. You heard all of that, didn't you? Bet you think you're real special, don't you, Nails? He blurts out these words before standing and rushing towards me, bursts of magical energy firing from his wand, each getting closer and closer to my body. You think just because Dumbledore thinks you can bring down the Dark Lord that you can? You think that Dumbledore knows anything? No, he's a fool! Look, you don't have to do this, Malfoy. You can be better than this. I cry out as a blast hits me in the shoulder, forcing me to fall to the ground once again. I am better than this. I'm better than you, and I'm better than him. He yells, tears still raining down his face. I try to stand, but he quickly places a boot against my chest, holding me down. Look, snails, you should understand better than anyone what I'm going through. I have to do this. I was chosen. They chose me. I have to make them proud. I have to make... I have to make him proud. Who? And those were the last words I spoke before Draco's cast Sectum Sempra, tearing my flesh apart, ripping my body to shreds. I felt my entire being being ripped apart piece by piece, and that pain was unbearable, the mental anguish uncomparable. I screamed to the heavens, my cries echoing through the halls of Hogwarts. The only thing I could make out through the tears was Draco's face, and it looked guilty. It looked horrified at what it had done. I I almost wanted to smile, seeing Draco understanding the weight of what had he become. But unfortunately, that moment didn't last long as Draco ran away and my world descended into blackness. I awoke in the infirmary a few hours later, my body still weak from the lacerations. They wouldn't let me leave. No matter what I told them, I was stuck. I was the one person Dumbledore had chosen to help defeat Voldemort, and I was stuck in an infirmary. I lost. That thought tortured me the rest of my year at Hogwarts. The fact that I lost. I was placed in charge of saving the world, and I lost. And I didn't even lose to Voldemort. I lost to Draco Malfoy. Again. I was numb. Unfeeling. The only thing to break me from that trance was the day Dumbledore died. The day any chance of clearing my father's name died. The day my shot as the chosen one died. The day the world died. And that is to be continued in the next oh. Harry Potter. In wow. the next Harry Potter episode, yes. Ooh. Love it. I am disappointed that you didn't read my immortal with the same fervor and voice acting talent i feel like you did the other publication a disservice by not putting your full effort behind it i need to read in the voice of uh of the person who wrote it and i just Uh felt like that voice fit with my immortal (laughs) 
<laughs> that was good, man. That was some good, captivating stuff. I do like the Taco Bell fourth meal found its way in there. Yes, it so did. It very did very good. much. I'm glad that uh, glad that the characters are thinking outside of the bun in the mm-hmm. Harry Potter universe. Now that was some good shit, man. Thank it's you, sir. Thank very, you very much. Uh, very classic old like. If you go too deep undercover, does it come back to bite you in the butt? Kind of situation which is always an interesting one so mm-hmm. fun to see that one pan out yes thank you thank you and then of course i do love the fact that for a while he was like i was supposed to be the chosen one it's like no you he just wanted to help he's like no i need to which i feel is a very slytherin way to approach it yeah it's a very slytherin way and a very teenage slytherin way because a regular teenager already is like me 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 but then you're in slytherin so it's like me 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 in all caps and italics Yes, exactly. It's just slightly <laughs> slanted. It's in italics. Uh, but thank you for joining me, Mr. Shubes. Oh, no Which problem. You, I, I'd just like to give you the table to plug, plug, plug away. Right. Yeah. So if you want to hear me talking about Harry Potter stuff, you can listen to my podcast, Potterless, where it documents me reading the Harry Potter series for the very first time as a grown adult. I never read the books as a kid. So my podcast documents me covering it for the first time. My guest is always a Harry Potter expert and it always changes. So different perspective there. And if for any reason you happen to really be craving a basketball podcast that is about everything except for the actual sport. So just things like the player drama, Twitter beefs, uniforms, court designs, extra stuff. You can check out my other podcast, Horse, which is a uh, a fun little time. I very much enjoy it. We're here just to prove that you don't have to be a big sports head to follow the NBA. It's just as entertaining as watching Game of Thrones. But then your favorite characters don't die. They just get like traded to a different team. It's fine. They don't die. They just do sick dunks. That's all right? it does. I, if, they, if they drink some Felix Felicis, that's all it takes. Mm-hmm. Just got to get that secret stuff, baby. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at ScottyMo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. You can buy all my books on Amazon. So if you liked what I was reading tonight, you can get like full novels that I've written. Just look mm-hmm. up Scotty Moore and you can find it there. So check that out. Check out all the other shows at a load of purebs.com. And remember to support, whether that be by donating, picking up some merch, or most importantly, just leaving a review on iTunes. We love hearing feedback from you guys. And if you guys have any like fan fiction you want read on the show or read on the YouTube channel, just send it to a load of purebs at gmail.com but until next time Mike there's a warning I give to all of my guests it's very important and it is to stay away from baby Hitler that's true that makes sense he's bad basically he grew I mean in this one we found out that he was left on an orphanage doorstep and then Dumbledore Mm -hmm. finds him so Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) (laughs) 